What's going on, everybody? We are in our series called Thankful, uh, on thankfulness, which is appropriate as we are approaching Thanksgiving. Uh, Coming up next week, I know a lot of us have big plans, uh, lots of food on the agenda to be eaten, so we have a lot of things to be thankful for. One of the things that you will notice if you study the Bible and you start looking through the story of God's interaction with his people throughout history is that when the people of God were doing well, they were thankful. They were full of gratitude. When the people of God were not doing well, it was the opposite. They were full of unthankfulness. They were full of ingratitude. There is an attitudinal connection between God's blessing, his people throughout history, and God's doing the opposite, disciplining his people throughout history. Their attitude that the people had as a whole uh, had a big influence on just how things were going to go in terms of their relationship with God. God put that in the Bible because he wants us to learn from it. There is a, 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 an inclination in the spirit of, of, of any human being to go towards the negative side of things whenever we face adversity. And this is one of the big struggles that we have in, in terms of our walk with faith and our trying to be faithful to God. It's controlling our attitude in our life. When we let our attitude become unchristlike, um, it's just not good. It affects all kinds of things. And so God wants us to be very disciplined in kind of how we manage that. Um, I want to start this morning as we talk about having thankful attitudes and being gracious people and people that are full of gratitude. I want us to start with communion today because one of the reasons, and we've stressed this in this series, that God gives us communion, that Jesus instituted this as something we would do every week is precisely because our attitude is so important. Jesus wanted his sacrifice and his generosity to affect the communities of people that followed after him for all time. That's why he instituted this weekly. He wants us to remember weekly that we serve a God who made himself a man and came into the world and died on a cross for us. He wants us to remember weekly that he is a servant first and foremost to us and he wants that to affect how we relate to one another. He wants us to remember weekly that he did not allow a negative and complaining attitude to cause him to go into unfaithfulness. Man, he, he, he was facing horrible adversity when he was facing the cross. Remember in the garden, guys, he was sweating blood. He was so stressed out by what he was about to face. But man, his attitude was such that I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to glorify God despite this great personal sacrifice, despite this great discomfort, despite this pain. I'm going to move through this faithfully. He sets an example for us in that. Where, guys, when you just look at what Jesus endured on the cross, we come up with stuff to complain about. Like, we come up with legitimate things sometimes. There's there's stuff that life throws at us where we legitimately have things to complain about. But, man, look at what Jesus was facing. You don't see him complaining in, in the midst of, he's going to the cross, But on the flip side of that, what do I have to praise God for because of the cross? What what benefits do I get because of the cross? Man, I get to have my sins forgiven. I get to have another chance and, and, and another chance and another chance and another chance. I get to have this great future. I get to have this community of where it's not just I'm forgiven. There's this whole community that's forgiven. And we get to celebrate that together. We get to do life together. We get to experience grace because all of us screw things up and we make mistakes. And man, sometimes we're sinful, but God just throws the door open and says, try again, try again. I'm going to make a way for you to be okay despite all the brokenness around you. Like we have so many reasons to praise God when we just look at what God has done for us. And so let's think about that this morning, guys. Remember, the blood was spilled for you. His body was broken for you. All of this is is reason to praise God. Mike, if you don't mind, this isn't on your notes, but we're going to throw 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 23 through 26 on the screen for you. 
Mike, if you don't mind, can you read that for us? For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after suffering, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you reclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When you eat this bread and drink this cup, guys, we remember his body was broken for me. His blood was spilled for me. Anything good that I have in life is due to him. Any second chance I have in life is due to him. Any grace I receive is due to him. Any forgiveness I receive is due to him. Any hope I have in a future is due to him. Guys, we have all kinds of reasons to praise God. He is present. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And he wants to give you a great life. Amen? Let's praise him. Let me pray. God, as we, uh, as we praise you this morning, as we take communion together, remembering your body was broken and your blood was spilled, help us to be filled with gratitude that we serve a God who's willing to sacrifice for us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You've got some notes in your bulletin. Uh, if you got a bulletin, you can pull those out. It's going to have most of the scriptures we're going to look at on there today. It's also got space for you to take some notes. Uh, and those notes are helpful for you to use in your personal devotions. They're also uh, used at our small groups. Whenever our small groups are meeting, uh, we will basically take all these and look at them and say, how do we apply this to our lives? And so we try to make it really practical like that. Um, but there's five helpful facts about ingratitude and griping that I want to look at today. Uh, just from the book of Numbers and, and looking at some snapshots of times in the life of the Israelites as they were moving into the promised land where they got bad attitudes and I just kind of want to see what, what happens and how God related to that. Um, but there's five facts, and the first fact that we're going to look at today, fact number one, is the sure way to make God angry. If you want to make God angry, all you got to do is complain. Just complain. And that's something that shows up uh, throughout Scripture, guys. Just have a negative, complaining spirit. The first snapshot I want to look at is uh, in Numbers 11. Now, just to kind of set the stage, this is the, the part of the story where God has already delivered the Israelites from Egypt. If you read the story of Exodus, God called Moses. He raised him up as a leader. Uh, he, he equipped him to go and confront the Pharaoh. He supernaturally and miraculously uh, spanked the Egyptians through the plagues, until they let the Israelites go. And then when the Pharaoh's heart changed, after he'd let the people go and he chased them down, God delivered them through the Red Sea and took out the Egyptians and then was present with the people. He gave them food. He gave them water. He was literally present with them uh, in, in the desert, leading them through the desert. He left heaven and, and came into his creation to be with them, taking care of their needs, right? He, he's, he's there with them present. Nobody else gets that access to God on, on planet Earth uh, at this point. Like, he's giving them all these special privileges. He's giving them all this special access. He's giving them all these special blessings. He's got this special plan for them and purpose for them in the world. But, man, in the midst of it, they just don't see it. The people don't see it. They come up with reasons to be ungrateful. They come up with reasons to, to feel like God is mistreating them or leading them in, 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 in a way that he shouldn't, right? They, their attitude gets bad. It gets bad. And, and in Numbers 11, it says the people griped about life in the wilderness, how hard they felt things were for them. And these evil complaints, notice it says they're evil these evil complaints came up to the ears of the Eternal One. He was furious about this ingratitude. His anger was kindled and his fire raged among them and devoured some of the camp's perimeter. 
It's like fire came out from him and actually burned up a portion of the camp. He's literally burning with anger here. This is God. Holy God, a compassionate, gracious, loving, holy God gets so mad that fire literally consumes some of the people here because of their ungratefulness. And guys, complaining, and compl- all that is is un- ingratitude. Complaining, being negative, this was a big deal to God. And I want you to see that, okay? It was a big deal to God that people learned to restrain this negativity that was pouring out of their mouths and coming from their hearts. It was so important to him. Now, the problem here is that the cause of an ungrateful spirit and the cause of complaining is ingratitude. The people were not focused on all the blessings God had given them. They were not focused on the special presence that God was giving them access to, the special blessings, all of the things he had done for them and delivering them from Egypt, taking them out of slavery, delivering them from the army when the army was pursuing them to enslave them again. They were ignoring all of that and they were just focused on kind of the rough day they felt like they were having, right? They weren't thinking about all the blessings. This goes on. There's another uh, snapshot in verse 14 here. Look at this now. It says, The people complained against Moses and Aaron. And here was God's response. Skipping down to 12, God's response to this second set of complaining is, I'll send an epidemic and destroy them, but I will make you the father of a nation that is larger and more powerful than they are. That's what he says to Moses. It's like, you know what? I'm done with these people. We're just gonna, we're gonna wipe the slate clean. We're gonna take them out. Now Moses stops God. He's like, whoa, 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 I don't want you to kill everybody. This is where God was though, is if this is how this group of people is gonna relate to me, do they not understand how special I'm treating them? Do they not understand how I'm taking care of them? Do they not understand the, the awesome future I have? And they're just kind of spitting in my face with these complaints. Let's just wipe them out and start over. And Moses is like, no, no, let's not, let's not go there yet, God. Let's not go there yet. And so he intercedes for them, asks God not to do it. Then you got another gripe session in chapter 16. Now this is with a group of people that believe Moses is exalting himself as their leader. And oh, Moses, he just wants to be up front. Moses just wants to be on stage. So they're going to be... Uh, harshly judging Moses's motives for even for wanting to lead. Moses didn't want to lead, by the way. God asked him to. But look at this in, in chapter 16. Um, God is going to respond through Moses, speaking of this group of people that were complaining about Moses. And he says, if these men die a natural death and suffer the fate of all mankind, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord brings about something totally new and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them with everything that belongs to them and they go down alive into the realm of the dead, then you will know that these men have treated the Lord with contempt. And what happens? If you go read the story, this group that was complaining about Moses goes off a little away from everybody else and the the ground opens under them and they and all their families and all their possessions fall into this crack in the earth and the earth swallows them up. Now that's a happy Bible story, isn't it? This is one of those things that happens where you're just like, I'm glad that's not me. Um, But notice they were complaining about Moses, but who does it say they sinned against? It says they treated the Lord with contempt. They were complaining about Moses. They were complaining about their spiritual leader. But the Bible says they were treating the Lord with contempt. Isn't that interesting? And what happens as a result? God punishes them. Now, anytime I get complaining, generally, who am I thinking about? I'm just thinking about me. Right? If I get a bad attitude, if I start complaining and being ungrateful, 
generally I'm thinking about me primarily. And, and that was the same with the people in the Bible. Whenever they would get complainy and negative, again, they, had, they weren't thinking about God and all the things God had done for them. They were thinking about themselves and maybe the inconvenience or the discomfort or the thing they didn't have that they wanted. They weren't looking at all the stuff that God had given them. They weren't looking at all the blessings. They were just kind of looking at the one thing they didn't. That's what, that's what can happen with, with your attitude when you focus on the wrong things. And when I'm just focused on me, that's where my attitude is inevitably going to go. And so the solution for this is to make it my goal to please God. That's the solution, because then I'm keeping my eye on him. I'm not just thinking about me. I'm not just thinking about what I don't have. I'm thinking, how can I use my life to honor God? You know, I can fixate on this one thing that I don't have, that I want, or I can choose to honor God. <clears throat> That's the trick. And it's easy to say that until you encounter something in life you don't have that you really do want. Guys, frequently I, I talk with uh, singles that want to be married. And if they go too long without having that relationship, guys, I've seen that poison so many attitudes uh, over time where I don't have this thing that I want. I, guys, I've seen people walk away from God because, because they don't have a spouse and they feel like that's what they need most in life. But they fixate on that. And instead of asking, what can I do to honor God? What can I do to please God? We get their mind off of that. And they just start fixating on the thing that they don't have. Guys, I've seen people do this with careers. I've seen people do this with, with promotions. I've seen people do this with a lot of different things. It's just so important that we don't fixate on that one thing we don't have. Because what will happen is that will become your functional God with a little g. And if it's not God with a big G, you're just going to be in for disappointment and let down. That God with a little G is not going to fulfill you. It is not going to take care of you. But the God with the big G will. We need to make it our goal to please him. Fact number two, my complaining reveals my ingratitude for God's care. My complaining reveals my ingratitude for God's care. Looking at the Israelites in numbers as they're moving into the promised land, this was a major problem. They were ignoring all of the things God had done for them because they were focused on this one thing that they felt like they didn't have. A different group than those who'd been complaining originally began complaining about having meat to eat in, in 11 uh, verse, verse 10. It says, who will give us meat to eat? And just look at where their attitude goes as a result of focusing on this complaint. We don't have meat. Now, what they had was manna, which was like sweet bread, which ain't bad, right? But they got tired of it. And they started saying, well, we need, we need some protein. And look at where their attitude goes. In verse um, 2 of chapter 14, the people complained. Look at this. They said, it would have been better to die in Egypt or here in the wilderness. Do you guys see how extreme this is? Like, we don't have meat to eat. It'd be better if I was dead. Just kill me now. I don't have meat to eat, right? Um, that's extreme. Like, you look at that and you say, that's kind of crazy and childish. But then I look at myself and I'm like, I do the same thing with my attitude sometimes. I go to such extremes negatively that it's almost alarming sometimes. Just being honest, right? I do the same stuff. I'm not looking at them saying, wow, what a bunch of idiots. I'm looking at them saying, I see myself in what these people are doing, right? They fixate on this one thing and it just poisons their whole attitude. But this is extreme. Just kill us. We can't have meat. Kill us. We don't even want to live. Verse 11, the Lord said to Moses, how much longer will these people reject me? Do you notice what, what God said right there? They're complaining. What is God saying they're doing? They're rejecting him. And they say, well, no, we're just complaining. No, you're rejecting the lordship of God. 
I don't think of it that way when I'm complaining. Do you? When I just get a bad attitude, do I think I'm rejecting God? No, I don't think it's not that extreme, right? But that's what God says, is you are rejecting me when you get this way. You're rejecting my lordship. You are rejecting my place in your life. You're not letting me be God. You're choosing to be God. You're saying the most important thing right now is for me to get this need met. Right now in this story, the need is meat. I need meat. I need it now. I need it cooked. I need it ready, right? Thanksgiving's coming up. You guys identify with this. If you went to Thanksgiving and there's no turkey, kill me now, right? That's where these people are. God says, you're rejecting me. How much longer will they refuse to trust in me? You ever think of your negativity as refusing to trust in God? I don't think of it in the moment. When I'm getting a bad attitude, okay, I'm rejecting God and I'm not trusting God. That's what this says. That's not what I think, though. In the moment, I'm not thinking about, probably because I'm not thinking about God. Are you? When you get a bad attitude and start complaining, are you thinking about God? Well, that's part of the problem for me and you, it sounds like. I don't think the people here are thinking about him either. They're just thinking about what they don't have that they want. They're not, they're not uh, trusting him. He says, even though I perform so many miracles among them. This is part of what God is upset about. Is he has performed crazy, wild, like historical miracles for these people. Like he whooped a nation for them. The world power of the day, God just came in and 10 plagues, boom, we're going to teach you to listen to me. I'm going to send this shepherd in to tell the king of the, 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 the Egypt how it is. And he's, we're going to whoop him into submission. God does that. And then he does all this crazy stuff, bringing them out. Like the Red Sea. You guys, can you imagine standing at the, on the shore of the ocean and God makes two walls of water come up and you get to walk through that with your family. And then he makes them fall on the bad guys that are chasing you. You get to see that. You go up to Sinai, Mount Sinai, this huge mountain later after God has done all this other crazy stuff. And you're with a million other people and you go up and you see fire and smoke come down from the sky and land on top of this mountain and it's scary and there's like lightning coming out of it and it's making noises and you're not supposed to get anywhere close to the mountain because if you touch it you'll die but then there's this one guy Moses and he's one of your people and he gets to go up and talk with that God that's up on that mountain and he's going to come back down and share Words of blessing with us where God's going to tell us how we can live in a way that we'll have the best life we can have. Like, right? He's not doing that for anybody else. Just you and your people. But then you kind of throw it back in his face like you're not doing enough for us. We don't even have meat. We just have sweet bread. It's man, it was like honey buns. You get to sit around and eat honey buns. Seriously. You get to sit around and eat honey buns. You're going to whine about it. It would get old after so long, but still, like you get honey buns. They're complaining. They're complaining, and God's saying, you're rejected me. You're not trusting me. I've performed so many miracles among you. And they go to the point, guys, this is crazy where they look back at a time when they were lost and they say it was better for us back then. How would God feel about that? Like, you cried out to me in your misery and I came and delivered you and now you are facing a little inconvenience and you're saying it would be better if we went back to slavery? You talk about being angry, like he's angry about this. It's better to die as slaves in Egypt than not to have meat for dinner. Guys, that's what a bad attitude and an ungrateful spirit 
one of the dangers of this is, is as you get a negative, complaining, bad attitude, it makes you irrational. And again, it's easy for me to look at this story and say, I would never do that. No, no I would. When I get negative, when I get complaining, I get just as irrational as these people. Okay? I'm no different than these Israelites. But that's why God gives us these stories. And he gives us these examples because he wants us to learn from them where we don't have to make the same mistakes as, as we're made here. And when I'm not grateful for God's care, I mean, I'm just going to look for God elsewhere and, and not in places where God is. So the solution to this is to make it my routine to count my blessings, to count my blessings. This is why it's important to be disciplined about praising God. And I want, if you don't think of praise as a discipline, I want to encourage you to rethink that because praise to God is a discipline. You need to look for things to praise God for, especially if you find yourself getting into a season of life where you're extremely um, negative or where you're battling negativity or where you're just struggling with your attitude. When you have a bad attitude, that is when you need to praise God. And, and you're not going to want to. You're not going to feel like it. I don't, okay? But that's exactly why you need to because there is always a reason to praise God. There is always a reason to praise God. I don't care what you're going through. There is always a reason to praise God. <clears throat> if you got a diagnosis and it was looking bad, you know, look around. You still have people that love you. You still have a family of faith. You still have uh, a warm place to lay your head. You still have food to eat. You still have daily needs. Like, there... See what I'm saying? Like, there's always things to praise God for. And I think if we can just be disciplined in that, where we count our blessings despite adversity, despite bad stuff coming, it's going to help us with our attitude, where we can have a thankful and, and praising attitude that honors God despite the circumstances. And guys, adversity is easier to face when you have a good attitude. Period. If you are negative and complaining and then you're hit with adversity, that's where you get wrecked. It's, it's when you're already kind of down and then life comes and kicks you while you're down. That's when you get wrecked. But man, if you can learn to be disciplined in, in your attitude, life can throw stuff at you. It's going to hurt. It's going to be uncomfortable. But man, you can deal with it so much better when you have the proper attitude and an attitude that honors God. It's also inspiring to others uh, and helps others in their attitude. And that kind of brings us to number three. My complaining is contagious. My complaining is contagious. Now, bad attitudes are contagious, but also good attitudes are contagious. You're going to influence the people around you. This can be a good thing or a bad thing just kind of depending on how you're relating. Um, in Numbers 11.4, we, we see some of the negative, contagious attitudes spreading in the story we were looking at. Uh, it says a contingent of Israelites had a strong craving for a different food, and the Israelites started complaining again. Notice this complaining started with a contingent. That means a little group. There was a little small group within this spiritual body that started to complain and started to be negative. And as a result of that, that complaining started to spread. It started to influence others. I've seen this happen in churches. I've seen this happen on sports teams. I've seen this happen in companies. Man, this is so true. Attitudes are truly are contagious. And, and a negative complaining attitude uh, is will just cripple a church, especially a church plant like ours. Um, it will cripple us if we let it. All it takes is one or two people getting real negative and elbowing the people around them and spreading that around for it to go. And it can just cripple you. Um, 
It says in Numbers 11.10, Moses heard all the people complaining as they stood around in groups at the entrances of their tents. The Lord became very angry. I can just imagine Moses coming out and in this huge camp, there are little groups of everybody sitting around talking about how bad things are. Man, that would have been so discouraging for Moses. And the natural inclination whenever you're upset about something is to get others on your side quote unquote. Like if you're upset about the way things are going or you're upset about the way you were treated or the way someone talked about you or somebody else, you're going to go try to recruit others to think the way you recruit or to think the way you think. And so you, you, you want to spread this rumor or this thing that was done or whatever to others. You want to talk about this person or this, this thing that was done. It's just natural inclination. And so you've got kind of a virus that's spreading, but it's just an attitude. It's negative, but that's the way it works. And so we've got to make sure, in order to guard against this in the church, that our small groups, that our ministries, uh, that our individual relationships are built around praise and positivity. That doesn't mean we don't address issues. We certainly do. But there's a healthy way to deal with problems and an unhealthy way to deal with problems. An unhealthy way is just to sit around complaining about them. Um, Particularly if you're not even talking to the people that are involved. It's just just spreading negativity. So just to ask, guys, do, do I spend my time complaining about the negative more than I do talking up the positive? And and we just you gotta ask, do I do that? Because you're going to make a difference. It says in Hebrews 12.15 from the message, Keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. This is true about bad attitudes, guys. When you look at the garden of your life, your attitude can influence everything else that's going on in your life. If you're negative, if you're complaining, if you have a bad attitude... It's going to make a difference. And so the solution is to avoid and associate. Avoid and associate. Avoid avoid those who are negative and complaining and associate with those who are positive and who are grateful. You are going to be influenced by the people that you choose to spend the most time with. Uh, and if you're with someone that is consistently complaining all the time, that's going to affect your attitude. If you're with someone who's disciplined in their approach to praising God, that's going to affect your attitude. And so keep that in mind. Fact number four, my complaining is consuming. My complaining is consuming. Uh, anybody in here like to bake? Okay, you know uh, when you use yeast... It doesn't take a lot of yeast, right? You put a little bit of yeast in that dough, and it permeates the whole thing. You guys remember, uh, those of us that are a little older, those old Alka-Seltzer commercials? I used to like those when I was a kid, because they would have the cup of water, and then they'd drop the tablet in there, and it would just, like, bubble up the whole thing. Like, the whole cup of water gets affected by this Alka-Seltzer. It's not an isolated portion of the water. It is all of the water that gets affected by this little thing that you drop in. That's kind of like sin. That's kind of like negativity. If you are complaining and negative, man, it's related to this being contagious. You can take one really negative, really complaining person and put them in a group of 10 people and then just sort of walk away, come back after a while, and that group of 10 people may all be negative and complaining. Because it's consuming, man. When you start letting those kinds of attitudes be present, uh, it's consuming. It will work its way through the whole community, through the whole group, if you're not careful. There's got to be somebody in there that's going to turn the tide on that. And that really does, again, come down to being disciplined in your praise and disciplined in your positivity. Uh, Negative people are like vampires, and they don't mean to be. I mean, it's just, but it just sucks the life out of you to sit around and talk about negative stuff all the time. You feel exhausted. Man, 
If you go in with a group of people and everybody's just negative and complaining, you're not getting any energy from that. You're having the life sucked out of you. You walk away tired. Like, why do I feel so tired? Oh, well, it's because you're in a room full of people that just sit around complaining for an hour. And you, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you've experienced this either at school or at your workplace. or You've experienced this in life. It's just the truth. But, man, the church can't be like that. The church has got to be different than that. And the way we make sure the church is different and the community of Jesus is different is through that disciplined approach to praise. We need to intentionally praise God. We need to intentionally be positive. Uh, And again, guys, I'm not trying to just put a smiley face on life because I know there are things in life that are not positive. you got to deal with problems. But even in the midst of dealing with problems, you can be positive or negative in how you approach them. And uh, we need to remember, guys, we don't, we don't have anything in life that we cannot be victorious over with the help of Jesus. We've always got a reason to be positive. Um, but this, this complaints and these criticism, man, it'll just, it'll run through everything. Now, in this story, um, in Numbers 11, 5, and 6, negativity complaining, criticism, all this stuff affects the way these people think about everything because they kind of let it get in their hearts. It says, remember in Egypt when we could eat whatever amount of fish we wanted? Guys, this is, this, these are people talking. Again, this goes back to this, they didn't, they didn't have something that they wanted. They had all these blessings God had given them, but there was one thing maybe they didn't get. And they, they were going to let that poison their attitude to the point where they say it would be better to go back to Egypt. Remember in Egypt when we could eat whatever amount of fish we wanted? Or even the abundant cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But this, this can hardly be called food at all. Our appetites have dried up. All we ever have to look at is manna, manna, manna. Right? They're just complaining, complaining, complaining. The people complained about what they didn't have. It says, uh, who will give us meat to eat? We don't have meat to eat. So they complained about what they didn't have. That's the next uh, blank, guys. Um, They complained about what they used to have in 11.5. Remember in Egypt when we could eat whatever amount of fish we wanted or even the abundant cucumbers, melons, leeks, and onions, and garlic? They complained about what they had. This can hardly be called food at all, right? They complained about what they had lost. Our appetites have dried up. So they had complaints about every aspect of life. Now, they had a place to sleep. They had food to eat. They had water to drink. They had all their animals taken care of. They had a God present who loved them. They had a a promised land that they were going to inherit. They had a great future. They had all this stuff to look forward to. But they wanted to focus on what they didn't have, they felt like. They wanted to focus on all this stuff they could be negative about rather than praising God for the blessings that he had given them. And as a result, they fell out of relationship with God. And, and God is going to, he's going to discipline them as a result of this. They didn't have a single thing to praise God for. In verse 7, the thing about manna is this, it's like coriander seed, but the golden color of gum resin falling on the camp in the morning dew, the people could just walk around and pick it up. Guys, look at this. They are complaining when God has put them in a situation where they're in the desert and they can walk around and pick food up to eat in the desert. You guys realize that ain't normal, right? Usually you go to the desert to do one thing, die. But here God is with them, all these people, where they can walk around and pick food up and eat it, and they're finding reasons to complain. Is that not wild? But I do the same thing in my life. Seriously. Do you? 
I do. Like God gives me all this blessing and I can find reasons to complain and not be content. I am no different than these people. They had all this sweet bread to eat and they complained even though their hunger was being taken care of. The people could just walk around and pick it up. After grinding it with millstones to a kind of flour and crushing it with a mortar, they boiled it in a pot and then formed it into patties. These tasted something like cake prepared with oil, a kind of sweet bread. They got to eat cake every day, and they complained about it, right? Now, I would get sick of cake every day too. But if I'm in the desert... And I can walk out and pick up my cake off the ground and eat it. I'm probably going to be okay for a while, right? Crazy. They find a reason to complain. In Acts 8.23, this is Peter talking to a guy named Simon the sorcerer. He says, I see you're full of bitter envy and are a prisoner of sin. We'll put that in there, guys, just to illustrate your attitude can make you a prisoner of sin. That's where these people were, guys. When, when they allowed their attitude to get poisoned to the point where they just made it all about them and what they didn't have and, and you know, these ultimatums, I'm not going to be okay unless you give me this. That's being a prisoner to sin. That's not being a servant of God. That's not humbly approaching God saying, thank you for giving me for giving me manna, for, for making this way, for giving us water, for giving us laws, for giving us the problem. Thank you so much for being, it's no, I don't want to eat cake anymore. Forget you, God. You just get your eye off the ball, man. I can do the same thing. The solution is to confess, is to recognize that this is sinful. What I'm doing right now, my attitude is sinful. It's to repent which means to turn away from that sin, and it's to get help, which is I need to lean into other people that are maybe stronger in this area than I am. I need to lean into them. I need to ask for their help. Uh, I need to get some help. Lastly, fact number five is my complaining can cause my leaders to capitulate. My complaining can cause my leaders to capitulate. We had to get a C word in there. That's why we use capitulate. We're on C's today. Uh, capitulate means to give up. It means to give in. It means to surrender. It means to quit. Whenever you complain all the time, um, or when the people complained, it made Moses want to give up. It made Moses want to give up. Uh, this happens in churches too, guys. Whenever a congregation becomes really complainy and negative, it can make your pastor or your church leader just want to quit. Just give up. Um, church leadership is hard. It's not easy. Uh, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of expectations. Um, it's easy to make mistakes. It's easy to screw up. And sometimes there's not a lot of uh, encouragement for church leaders. Uh, depending on the context they're in or the congregation they're in. Um, it's important that church leaders get that. We have a lot of leaders here. Guys, in addition to me, we've got a number of small group leaders. We've got a number of ministry leaders. Um, it's important that, that they get encouraged and that they feel loved and valued uh, because ministry is hard. Uh, complaining and negativity can cause leaders to get discouraged and, and even be tempted to give up. Look at what it says here in Numbers. So Moses asks Adonai. Uh, now this is after all these people have been complaining. All these people have been really, really negative. Moses is hearing all of this. Guys, remember, he is the one who led them out of Egypt. He's the one that went before Pharaoh. He's the one that risked his life and put himself in really scary situations on behalf of this group of people. And now God has led them out of the slavery, led them away from this horrible army and this horrible Pharaoh that was after them. He gives them freedom, and now they're complaining about Moses. 
because Moses isn't doing enough or Moses isn't doing it right or God's not doing enough or God's not doing it right. Man, he just gets super discouraged. So Moses asked Adonai, why have you brought trouble on your servant? Haven't I found favor in your eyes that you laid the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give birth to them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom just as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised to their fathers? Where can I get meat for all these people? For they wail to me saying, give us meat to eat. I'm not able to carry all these people by myself. This load is too heavy for me. If this is how you're treating me, Kill me now. If I found favor in your eyes, kill me. Please, don't let me see my own misery. He's kind of had it at this point, right? Moses goes to God and his prayer is, God, please kill me now. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Okay, most of you probably have not gotten there. That's good. You don't want to get there. He's in a not great place right here, where he's coming and saying, God, please kill me now. Like, that's where their attitude led Moses. What a discouraging place to be. Here's this guy who's trying to help these folks, and, and this, is, this is where they're leading him, right? He's, he's going out of his mind. The solution to this, how you can help with this, is to love and listen to your leaders, to love and listen to your leaders. That's how you can help take care of the people that God has placed in your life who are helping you. In Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Listen to your leaders, submit to their authority over the community, for they are on constant watch to protect your souls, and someday they must give an account. Give them reason to be joyful and not to regret their duty, for that will be of no good to you. So this just says love them, you know, listen to them. Make them, feel like, uh, make them feel like you care because you're responding to what they're saying to you. Um, there's a lot of benefits uh, and, and joys to being in ministry. And honestly, the one that keeps me going is just seeing people grow and develop. Uh, if I see people grow and develop, you know, I look around and say, wow, okay, we're making a difference here. When we don't see people growing and developing, that's when things get discouraging. Um, what that passage says is listen. Uh, the number one that, thing that keeps people from growing and developing often is they don't listen. Uh, here at the Crossings, guys, we want to give you an opportunity to grow and develop. We're going to go ahead and wrap this morning, but we want to give you an opportunity to respond uh, because anytime we open God's word, we want to make sure we're taking what he says and we're applying it to our lives. So there's a cardstock piece of paper in your bulletin. If you don't mind, I'm going to ask everybody to pull that out, members and guests alike. And I want to invite you to look over that uh, and just see if there's anything we can help you with. Um, with a room this size, a lot of us are coming from different backgrounds, different places, some of you guys grew up going to church. Some of you didn't. Some of you are hearing stuff for the first time. Some of you are saying, this is old hat. You know, we, I, I know this stuff. Um, but regardless of where you are in life, uh, I believe God's will for you is for you to continue your journey of growth toward him. We're a church that's built on small groups uh, here at the crossings, we do those because that's what we see in the Bible as uh, the, the primary method of spiritual growth for people through those discipling relationships and through uh, relationships with maybe somebody that's further down the road than I am uh, that can help me along spiritually. And so we do small groups here because coming to church on Sundays is great. You're going to get something out of the message. You're going, to, you're going to be able to worship God. You're going to be able to rub elbows with people. But spiritual growth honestly happens through relationship. Uh, and so you can come here and listen to a lecture, and that's great. You're going to get something out of it. But the best way for you to learn and grow is not going to be from listening to lecture. It's going to be from you uh, getting to know people that are maybe just a little further down the road than you are spiritually that can give you individual attention and individual care. 
Uh, spiritual growth often happens um, more in a living room or around a table than it does in a large meeting hall or auditorium like this. It's just, it, it's super duper important that you get that attention and that care. So if you haven't plugged into a small group here at the crossings, I do want to invite you to do that. Um, you can indicate on your card that you would like uh, to know more and we will get in touch with you. Or if you're investigating a relationship with God and you'd just like to get to know God and maybe get some of your questions answered, you can indicate that you'd like a personal Bible study on that card and somebody will get together. Again, guys, those are relational though. Like our goal here, just like I'm just being straight up. If you're here at the crossings today visiting, we want to be your friend. Uh, we want to get to know you. We, we want to connect you with people uh, that are, that are going to get to be really important people in your life where they're going to be like close to you, where they're going to know what's going on with you and what's going on with your family and what your, what your goals are, what your dreams are, what your fears are, like what your struggles are. We want to help you with that. It's that life-on-life -life relational discipleship because that's what we see in the Bible. Um, we offer a lot of other things here as well. Guys, if you're struggling with an addiction, if you're struggling with hurt, if you've been abused, uh, if, if there's something that, that you just need some special help for, get, you are with a group of people that, that will care for you and that will love you. And if you've got something that you need help with, just please indicate that. We do keep these confidential. We don't share your business everywhere. Um, but we do want to make sure you get the care and attention that you need, okay? Um, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing a song. And during that song, you'll have an opportunity to fill that card out. Uh, then we will sing one more song after that and pass some baskets. And you can drop your card in that basket. Uh, and then we will, we will follow up with you. But we do want to invite you to respond. Let me pray for us, and then we will uh, sing that song. God, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for the challenge to be grateful. Uh, God, in my own life, I have got to be vigilant in my attitude because I can very easily get negative. I can get complaining. Uh, stinking thinking is something that I'm affected by. Uh, and so I just pray you help me be a good example in that. I also pray for everybody in this room, Lord. I know I'm not the only one that struggles with my attitude. I'm not the only one that struggles with negativity. Uh, and so I just pray you help all of us grow in maturity in this. Help us to be a light to the world, Lord. The church is like a bright light in a dark world. Uh, whenever we lean into you, God, you give us opportunities to bring blessing and, and life to people who are struggling. I pray for more opportunities to honor you with the way we treat others. God, I pray for our church here as we engage in our building campaign and all the good stuff we've got going on here. You are doing some amazing work in the lives of people. And God, I just want to pray for that to continue. I want to thank you for all the new Christians we have and new believers. And I pray for those that are studying the Bible, investigating faith. Uh, God, that you will help people get the answers that they need. Uh, and just help us be a loving and kind community here. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.